Thank you for listening to or watch another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about the director's cut from Luke Smith. I do have a video just reading through the entire thing and kind of interacting with it. This is going to be shorter because that was like 28 minutes. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. Twitch.tv slash Rage. I'm probably live right now. Click the link below in the information and come hang out and join us. Uh, it'd be great to have you come and hang out. If you're not watching uh, on YouTube, just enjoy listening or just come in and hang out with us. So... I want to walk through and talk about, I want to kind of give you like a big summary statement of, of what, what I got from part one from Luke Smith's director's cut. Okay. So we're going to walk through the past. Okay. The past, the present and the future. I'm going to break it into those three headings because he kind of talked about a lot. He, he sort of picked up with the season of the drifter and kind of moved through by saying, here's what we were trying to do. Here's where things didn't go right. Here's what we learned. Here's why certain things have happened the way that they've happened. So he's trying to give you an insight and an understanding of things that maybe weren't that ideal. He's also giving you insight and understanding into what they learned and what they'd like to do going forward. Okay. So let's just first go through the past. All right. It's clear they've been finding their way even in Destiny 2 Year 2. Okay. We know they were finding their way and learning hard lessons in Destiny 2 Year 1. That was very, very abundantly clear. It was like, okay, this is not what we expected. This is not in line with how things were going in the end of D1 with Age of Triumph and you know what many considered to be almost like the golden age of Destiny. It was very clear like Destiny 2 didn't land and feel as good as it should have. But it's clear, reading what he wrote, that they're also, they've been learning during and after Forsaken, during the and after the annual pass content. And I think that's a good thing to have that transparency and to hear that from him. One of the most important things I think we got to see was that parallel development and unreasonable development cycles is a challenge, and it's one of the reasons things have been kind of tough. So, first, what do I mean by parallel development? Parallel development means that while they're building Black Armory, they're also building Season of the Drifter. They're also building Season of Opulence. So he basically said, we're placing a lot of bets at the exact same time. And then you learn, oh, people love the Ada Bounties. Oh, people don't like Reckoning. Oh, people really like the Chalice. Okay, so parallel development is one of the reasons why. And listen, I've tried to tell people that before. I'm like, listen, man, the reason this isn't in here is this was probably already in development whenever that got delivered. So they couldn't repackage the entire thing. It had already been built and all the scaffolding, all the all the quest flow, all of that's already been built out. So once they start seeing player response, they're like, oh, man, the Ada bounties would have been really, really great to have in Season of the Drifter. So the the parallel development was really really good to hear right from Luke Smith because I've said that other streamers have said that but it's good to hear it directly from the horse's mouth now unreasonable development cycles it was good to hear that as well it's like okay this deliverable cycle that we're trying to hit just wasn't really working it was really really hard on staff it wasn't ideal I like hearing that and here's why I think the culture in gaming right now around the idea of development and pushing things out gamers are becoming more open to the idea that we don't want a company to kill its employees just to give us content sure you're going to have the whiners on twitter and youtube like just shut up and make it good i don't care if you can't take a holiday or if you're working double shifts like you're going to have those idiots but i think in general this dialogue is being met with more receptiveness because people are seeing 
just how unhealthy and how demanding some of these situations have been. Whether you look at the Anthem article that was written, or you look at just the history of No Man's Sky and how it should have been delayed, but they weren't allowed to delay it, and what that did to that game, and now it's significantly better, right? We, we've seen evidences of this a lot, so hearing that from him, I think, was really important about the past. The other thing that was really, really helpful to hear was that they were very reactionary with respect to giving us power. It created problems in the game. I've said this many, many times, but again, it's just really, really good to hear it from Luke Smith himself. Now, when I say I've said this many, many times, I'm not trying to do that whole like Lona was light, right? Lona predicted this. I know people run to the comments like you get so old saying that you predicted this or you talked about this. The only reason I reference that is because I'm trying to drive dialogue and drive a narrative that is more accepting of the idea that look man, they were being reactionary. They might have to nerf stuff. They might have to dial stuff back. And The reason I do that is I think it's better for us to have healthy expectations, not just buff everything, leave my super alone expectations. And I think that's important going forward with some of the almost assuredly guaranteed nerfs that are on the horizon. Okay, so let's talk about the present. Setting expectations about shadow keep and nerfs is part of the groundwork here. If you didn't pick up on it, it's pretty clear that he's really laying groundwork to set your expectations. That some of your supers are going to get nerfed, probably well of radiance, number one. Number two, I, I would wager to say any exotic that feeds you a super if it feeds you super energy is going to get retooled. Orpheus Riggs, Phoenix Protocol, Skull of the Dire Ahamkara, Ursa Furiosa, the Shards of Galanor. These are all almost assuredly going to get completely retooled and reworked to basically sort of reset the clock. Okay, they added supers that feed, they added exotics that allow your super to feed your super, and that's caused a lot of problems. He said, almost unashamedly, this means we have to just keep making stuff like The Reckoning. And we've said time and time again, we don't want a bunch of content like The Reckoning. Some of this stuff needs toned down. And when they announced that they would be retuning some of the difficulty in Reckoning, that was some of the ground for me to make the video where I'm like, Well of Radiance is going to get a nerf. It, 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 it needs to be toned down, or else they're just going to have to keep making content like reckoning establishing clear and transparent dialogue about devs and dev cycles I think is a great place for us to be right now at the present because we're about to go into shadow keep and another annual pass so setting this stage is really really nice I would love for there to be a monthly stream with Luke Smith I would love there to be like an interview maybe that's happening from a, from a member of the you know of the community or maybe just take questions have you know maybe Deej there taking questions from the audience I think it'd be a really really great way to have a consistent state of the game conversation with us us. Setting that right now is, I think, a very, very good stage and springboard moving forward without Activision and into this new era of Destiny. Their goal seems to be, this is this is my guess in theory, okay? A lot of people read the opening line about making Destiny 2 a single great expanding experience. They were like, well, what about Destiny 3? I read it as that their goal is to make Destiny 2 a really, really good starting foundation for the future. They want to get Destiny 2 to a place where it's expanding, it's amazing, it's awesome, it's this MMO action game. They're going to lean into that identity, and then that allows them to build on that into the future. They're allowed to kind of use this as their starting point. I've said many times, they're about to really start to build the Destiny they've always wanted to build, and we're finally going to get the Destiny that we've always wanted. Okay, so that's the past, that's the present, let's talk about the future. 
one of the things that I think people are doing after reading this is they're thinking a couple of things. Number one, there's a clear call from the community to debate about regular Gambit versus Gambit Prime. So that debate's happening right now. Paul Tassi is arguing that normal Gambit's better than Prime. I, again, I, I, I joke that he wasn't feeling well and we should have our thoughts and prayers be with him. Prime is the preferred one in the polls that I'm seeing and the response from the community that I'm seeing. Number one, because it's faster. I just think even if, if you ignore the element that it's faster, I think a single round is just preferred so maybe a hybrid mode. But I already, I'm already seeing like the debates from the people in the community. One of the main reasons I think people are flocking to Prime in their preference over Normal Gambit is because it's one round. So if you could take some of the elements of Normal Gambit pull it over into prime i would completely reset the armor and build start over i think there's way too many benefits on some of the armor especially invaders and retool some of that a hybrid i think would be really good the main issue i think people flock to prime it's one round if you're getting trounced if you're getting schooled no big deal let's go over to the next game especially if they start making loot drop in higher numbers who cares if we get trounced in prime it's a quicker drop it's it you know we're moving on to the next thing we can move on to the next game instead of being stuck into well we got to go one more round and then for whatever the frick reason I'll solo queue get trounced first round and be like okay fine just let him win the second round and then we all rally for some reason and come back and then we go to the sudden death anyway so it's like I think I think the single round is one of the main things the other thing that this you know people are thinking about the future and they read this thing from 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 Luke Smith people are really questioning what about destiny 3 lono it seems like they're they're just going to keep expanding destiny 2 i think that's incredibly unlikely from a marketing standpoint having a tentpole new name launch of a destiny 3 somewhere in the future not the immediate future but somewhere in the future is still very likely to happen i don't think what they're doing right now is establishing the fact that they're only going to rebuild d2 especially when you hear him talk about the difficulty of these cycles the difficulty of the rhythm they need a new engine if they're going to start to build stuff faster which means you'd have to have a whole new game and i just think there's only so much they can do in d2 which leads me to my other conclusion a lot of people are concerned what about the annual pass content he seemed to indicate the rhythm was really really rough i would continue to bank on the fact of one of my predictions coming true i think the next annual pass is really going to dial in reusing recycling and refreshing content and i think he's setting up the groundwork for that it's just too difficult for them to always crank out brand new areas brand new activities brand new loot pools if all they have to focus on is a handful of repurposing refreshing reusing and then some new loot pools i think that's far easier so i would really look for this sort of being the groundwork to set expectations about shadow keep not really having something like the chalice in it he did say that as well as the annual pass being more about a refreshing renewing presence in the game because there is content and pieces that are two years old now that would be my prediction that doesn't mean the destiny 3 is is not happening it doesn't mean the annual pass schedule is not happening i think the theme of the annual pass is just going to shift a little bit some new some refresh and recycled if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube q a is going to be next as always please like share and subscribe 
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about Luke's Miss Director Cut. I did a shorter video. I just kind of want to talk about the past, present, and the future. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, I'm probably live right now. Click the link below. Come and hang out with us. You can watch this later if you want to hang out and take part in a live Q&A. As always, I appreciate you guys sharing this and subscribing and all those things on the various places that you listen to this content. Let's jump right into the questions. Uh, the Vengeful Vigilante. I missed the stream yesterday. What were your impressions of the incoming nerfs to insta-reload in Shadowkeep? I know he hinted at that. I know people this morning were even sort of taking issue with insta-reload being an issue. It's what makes Mountaintop so strong. I do think of all the exotics that are going to get looked at, I think any exotic that feeds you super is going to get retooled. Rigs, Phoenix Protocol, Skull of the Dire Amkara, you know, Shards of Galena or Ursa Furiosa. They're all going to get retooled. Almost guaranteed that that's going to happen. Luna factions will probably also get retooled. Rally barricades, I don't know what they'll do. Maybe they'll just make rally barricades heal you or something. Maybe they'll give rally barricades the rift treatment that the warlocks have. You can pick between a rally barricade that heals you and one that gives you a damage buff when you're shooting over it. Um, I don't know. You know, they could do something like that, but I definitely think the the constant reload is going to be addressed again because it's it's something that creates an imbalance that I remember when they gave us that ability. It was when they introduced like War Mine and Tractor Cannon and all that stuff. They were reactionary. He talked about that in the talk. It's like they were reacting to a, a power vacant game. There wasn't enough power in the game. They were trying to give us power. So the reactionary development is always dangerous because you can overswing, you can give too much. I've talked about this as, a, as an analogy to like parenting. If I'm in the room and I'm telling my kids what to do and we're having fun or we're playing a game, let's say we're playing swords. We get these pool noodles and we play swords. We're like hitting each other. We're having a fun time and I'm in control of what's going on because I'm not reacting. I'm being proactive. If I see one of my kids get angry, I can get in between them or I can, I can mitigate the anger and they don't start hitting each other and tearing each other apart. If I'm in the other room and I come in I have to be reactionary. I have to raise my voice. I have to I have to meet the level of craziness that's in the room. Reactionary you know responses tend to be too strong. I don't walk into a room when my kids are doing something they don't need to and every time like raise my voice and go nuts. If they're screaming and yelling and hitting each other, I may need to do that to get their attention, right? Because it's reactionary. So when reactionary responses tend to be stronger than like a proactive normal response, that's true in development as well. Well, we got to react. We got to fill this vacancy of power and they react and they give us way too much. It has, it has unforeseen consequences down the road. And here we sit with Phoenix Protocol, Well of Radiance, Luna Faction Boots, Rally Barricades, like all these things that just seem way out of place now that they're trying to just build good content. And he talked about that. He also talked about our only way of sort of stopping that was we tried something with Reckoning. And everyone hates Reckoning because it's, it's, it's narrowly beaten. And, you, you know, you got to kind of run very predictable, very predictable builds to survive that, that wave of insanity. Uh, Trip Hazard. Lono, do you think we will be able to buy all the armor that is in our collection that we normally can't buy back because of the random rolls when Shadowkeep and Armor 2.0 drops? I have no idea. They said a long time ago they were going to come up with a solution to enable us to buy items from, you know, get items out of collections 
that were randomly rolled. Like they said that solution was was on the horizon. I have no idea what that solution is going to look like. Again, I've continued to think what they'll do is they'll try and give collections a vault-like feel where you lock something in and you're essentially storing you are you are storing your your loot in the vault or in the collections, I'm sorry. I don't know if we're getting that in Shadowkeep. That could be a quality of life update down the road, but or it could be needed with everything they're doing with armor and being able to turn all Eververse armor pieces into ornaments. Anything, any Eververse pieces you've got in the past are going to become ornamental, you know, armor ornaments in Armor 2.0 system. So they could do something with the rest of the armor as well. I just don't know. We'll have to, maybe we might hear about that today. I don't know. This is being recorded, by the way, on August the 14th, right before the Bungie stream. If you're here live, you can watch the Bungie stream here. So don't go anywhere. We're allowed to co-stream it. I'll show it right on my stream. I won't be on stream. I'll shut my camera off, and we'll discuss it afterwards and do a Q&A just like this. CEK Kingdom. The most refreshing thing about this whole thing, for me, was how transparent it was. What was the most refreshing part to you? I think transparency is the right word to go to. If you know, if you're picking part of it that was like the most refreshing or exciting, it was the transparency. I think this is a sign of new things. This is a sign of this is the type of communication we should expect. And I also like the risk. I really respect the risk. It is risky to get out in front of the world and to make what sounds like, even if they're soft excuses making excuses for mistakes that were made or at least providing context insight and reasons people hear them as excuses but parallel development is a perfect example they're developing season of the drifter and black armory at the same time so the ada bounties haven't landed they haven't been responded to The, the community hasn't said how much they love them they don't have that information yet so without that information they build drifter and they don't have that in there why they don't know how loved it is they don't know how cherished it is and then drifter lands and it's like why the frick did you pull one of the most valuable pieces out that was in Ada's system? Why doesn't Drifter have a system like that? This is terrible. Parallel development explains that. It's not an excuse, but it's like, well, I, that makes sense. Like he said, they're placing a lot of bets at the same time. Simultaneous bets means we don't know what's going to land and be awesome. Once it lands and it's awesome, that can influence stuff further down the road, but not something that's right around the corner. This is also a very, very soft reason and context as well as just some good groundwork to basically say shadow keeps not necessarily going to have a chalice in it it's not going to have something at the level of the intentionality of the chalice because that was being developed at the same time as shadow keep so they didn't know how well that was going to be received so that was what i liked about it but i really like i said i respect the risk that they took dragon skin do you think uh how we will level in the game will be changed or stay the same. He seemed to indicate that they're not happy with the power structure leveling system. They're not happy with it, but I don't know if that's going to change in Shadowkeep. He may be just saying this is tough, this isn't working, we don't like this, this hasn't worked out very well. So, I want them to. Um, I want I, I want them to change the leveling. I think the leveling is terrible. Arguably some of the worst leveling progression I've ever seen in an RPG nonsensical, confusing, non-linear, RNG-based. Like, it, it lacks autonomy, intentionality, it, it player agency. It just doesn't make any sense. It, it is, it is, it, it needs fixed. I don't know if it's happening in Shadowkeep, though. Golden Pants. Do you think we will get a season of the Crucible after what was said yesterday? 
he seemed to indicate that they don't want to do seasons that are only appealing to like one style or one thing this is why I think we're going to get a lot of refreshing and repurposing and recycling in the next annual pass reason being let's say they do a season of the crucible they tweak game modes they tweak maps they tweak things within the game and the rules of crucible well for that season I could see them saying oh and also those of you that love PVE whole new loot system whole new grind attached to escalation protocol it'll be new with 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 old I, I i do i think that'll be some of the theme of the next annual pass new alongside old as a way to bolster the new as a way to bolster the annual pass without killing their employees and being like yep every couple months we got to try out a brand new annual pass with all new stuff all new environments all new activities i i, I think that we're seeing that that's probably not going to be the case which just really gives more credence to the idea and the prediction that they're going to be doing a lot of repurposing and recycling and we need to be prepared for that to be okay as long as it's fun and there's great loot I, I this idea that no they need to build a brand new thing so let me give you an example if when black armory came out instead of having the forges what if they just would have changed the bosses at Escalation Protocol and took that bounty system for weapon grinding and just placed it in EP, okay? After a week, no one would have cared. Now, maybe you could say, well, four weeks, Lono, they trotted it out, they they drip-fed us the... They drip fed us the forges, so it was a new experience every time. Okay, but after one time in the forge, you get the gist of it. You go into an area and you throw balls at a thing. Like, it's a pretty basic environment. But that took time. That had to be built. Those mechanics had to be built. Those rules had to be established. Wouldn't it be easier to be like, give Bungie the freedom to say, well, instead of doing that, we're going to repurpose Escalation Protocol. All the bosses will change. They will rotate each week. So you do have something new each week to come back to. They have their own thing that they can drop. And you can do this Ada Bounty weapon frame grind. Now, in that equation, you're still getting content and a grind, but they're repurposing EP instead of giving you the forges. In the grand scheme of things, just how much value are you going to place on how great the forges were against recycling EP? Is it worth forcing Bungie to give us less content or content that's not as good, or again, to try to meet un- unreasonable development cycles? I just don't think so. Same thing with Reckoning. Instead of giving us a brand new environment with Reckoning, they could have repurposed the Infinite Forest, put the put the Reckoning system of of weapons and armor and everything in Brother Vance. You give it, you do the for, you repurpose the Forge grind from Curse of Osiris, and you take that whole weapon pool and you shove it in there. Like again, the result of a lot of the new content is that it ends up being pretty ho hum, pretty not that great. And when you do that, I really really think. You're going to, you're, you're, I think you're going to, you're going to end up with either not enough content or whenever you end up with not enough content, then people just complain about, well, this isn't that exciting. That's all we heard about the forges. Oh, this is their basic. We're just throwing balls. So to me, when I look at the annual pass, I'm really open to the idea of new bosses, new rotation, new loot pool. This activity has been repurposed, you know? 
Void Pill. In Luke's letter yesterday, he said, I'm paraphrasing here, we want armor's utility and stats to be rewarded throughout gameplay and appearance to be rewarded through the Eververse. This really struck me as odd, considering the rest of his letter was so good. How much does this philosophy worry you moving forward, or did I misinterpret it? You didn't misinterpret it. Now, keep keep in mind, it's not this clean cut, and he even said that. It's not this clean, clean of a divide. Because if there's a really dope armor set in an activity... That if it looks dope to you and you're also grinding that activity for the best the best stats and utility, you're getting a both and situation. It's not like you're literally grinding the activity for white placeholder armor that looks like crap and then you go to the Eververse to decorate it like it's a cra- like it's like a it's like a coloring book. It's just a blank sheet of paper with outlines and then you use the Eververse and your money to color by number and decorate it. It's not that clean cut. There have been people I saw threads and disagreements about this on on Twitter. I haven't gone to Reddit yet. I think people are really overstating just how important cosmetic vanity appearance grind is and I'll tell you why number one it's inconsistent with the history of destiny I was not grinding for cosmetics in destiny one because there was virtually no cosmetics to grind for sure the ornaments that came during age of triumph were dope but that was at the very very end and that was inside recycled content okay so the main draw was the ornaments like that was literally it and obviously they they brought the weapons back but you know as exotics for the you know the the elemental primaries but in general over the over the lion's share of the experience in D1 people were not grinding for cosmetics there weren't cosmetics to really grind for you were grinding for an imago loop you were grinding for a genesis chain you really wanted to get a fate bringer so what i'm saying doesn't mean that cosmetics don't matter what I'm saying is, is you can't claim the end game of Destiny is a vanity cosmetic grind. That's ju- that's not true. That's provably false. Okay, that's provably false, and it's very easy to prove that false. Every time they've added to the end game, from Taken King to now, what do they add? Activity grinds with loot pools. That disproves the notion that well, the end game grind of Destiny is a va- is a vanity cosmetic grind. No, it's not. I'm grinding forges if you grinded reckoning. I'm grinding reckoning. I'm grinding the menagerie for gear, for loot, for guns, for armor. Now, keep in mind when he says this, appearance is rewarded through the Eververse. A lot of those appearance items in Luke's mind are shaders, emotes, ghosts, sparrows, ships. That's a lot of items, okay, that he's thinking of. And when you throw in some of the cool armor... I think people look at this total and all they focus on is the armor. Okay? Take armor out of the list of the Eververse and it's almost all inconsequential vanity items that even when you play Destiny, if those matter to you a lot, they're not really that present. Like, you're, you're, you don't even have to be in outer, you know, in orbit that much anymore. Your ghost is hardly ever out. Shaders, sure. But emotes, kind of, right? And sparrows, kind of. <clears throat> Finisher animations are also in the Eververse, which I'm not a fan of. The animations themselves are there. I believe the finisher moves is something that we're all going to have access to because that functions in the game as a means of giving you like ammo and stuff. There's going to be actual benefits of doing finisher moves. The animations themselves, I think, can be changed and, you know, the flourishes and all that can be in the Eververse. Here's the thing we have to accept. We have to accept 
that in a game that is constantly adding stuff, vanity items will be present in a microtransaction capacity. And when you read the fact that the two ornaments for the Whisper of the Worm paid for the Outbreak Perfected Zero Hour mission, when you read that, I really think you got to smoke that in your pipe for a little bit and calm down. Because you're getting upset about things. Number one, we don't even know exactly how many vanity items will be in there that are like, wait a minute. I I don't feel like I should have to pay for that. We don't know how many armor sets. We don't know how many things we're going to be able to do on our own to make ourselves look dope in other places. The only time I start to agree with these people that get upset about this is I say, I would like to see exotic ghosts, ships, and sparrows put into the NPC loot pool for seasonal grinds. I'm not going to die on that hill, though. That's not super important. But I do think that's a missed opportunity. You keep funneling that into the Eververse. One of the biggest mistakes I think people make in this equation is they're like, well, Bungie's wasting all this time on Eververse when they could be making new content. That isn't how it works. There is an art department team and an Eververse team that's designing that stuff. It's not like they're going to the strike team or the, 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 the raid team and saying, stop working on that. Please make Eververse stuff for us. They're not robbing Peter to pay Paul. There's a team that is in charge of designing Eververse items. And again, when cost of entry is so low with new light, the amount of content you get for the price that you put in, the amount of playtime that you get for the price that you put in, getting upset at a vanity item store, I think, honestly, I'm not trying to be insulted, when you zoom way out and you look at everything we get from the time of gameplay you can get from the hobbyist style of this game to the amount of money we have to put in, what are you required to put in as far as money is paltry. getting upset at the vanity store is honestly stupid unless it becomes scummy I just think it's stupid when they tell us the ornaments attached to the whisper paid for the zero hour quest that should be the sign that's the mic drop it's time to shut up if they do ornaments for some new exotic, let's say they bring back the Galahorn and they sell Galahorn ornaments and those ornaments sell like crazy and because they sell like crazy, that feeds future content. You're just focusing on the wrong thing. You're so zoomed in. Have better optics. Zoom, da- you know, zoom out. Oh, Kelly. Hey, Kelly Link with the Prime sub. Hope you had a good stream yesterday. You're catching me in the middle of a rant, Kelly. But I, I, like I said, I just think people are zoomed in too quickly. Zoom out. Look at how much money you put in, how much time you get out of the game. You are getting an unbelievable value transmission for your dollar. It's unbelievable. And keep in mind, they're adding a free entry point. That's a huge shift in game type. That's an enormous shift in game type. A free entry point, all year one content for free, all year two content for like 30 bucks. That is a big, big shift. And a vanity store is going to be a part of that equation. Don't zoom so far in. Especially, look, read Luke Smith's letter in totality yesterday. Just rip the Eververse section out and, and, and answer the question. Does it make you feel really good and confident about where we're going? And if the answer is yes, then just maybe not get so upset about Eververse. Maybe it's smaller a smaller issue than you're really making it. I actually don't think it's an issue, but, you know, again, zoom out a little bit. The Pie Piper. With Luke's comment regarding the difficulty in Halo, do you think it's a hint to future changes in the difficulty of the various activities in Destiny? That's the one of the best parts of his letter. 
that is one of the best parts of his letter is where he talks about when people would come when the press would come and play halo they would tell them to play it on her they say heroic is that what he called it um and he talked about i love the expression enemies would die slower so they could finish more of their skill set animations or however you phrase that oh i love that i was like it really gave an insight into how important that is for the experience of the player. Like your immersion in a game can be harmed by power. So if everything coming at you is a, is is just absolute tissue paper ribbons, you're killing everything. You're missing out on so much of the flavor and the immersion of the game, the growl of the enemy, their movement, their slashes, their jumps. They don't get to finish those those things that they put into the game. All those things that are meant to make you feel like that is an alien that will kill me. That is an ogre that will stop me into the ground. So when he said that, I got really excited. I really hope this is an indication that difficulty spectrum is coming to Destiny. I would love to go into strikes or public spaces or public events. It can repurpose raids with contest modifier where you raise things up. And that honestly pairs exceptionally well with a lot of what we're probably going to hear about today, which is min-maxing, stats, armor, you know, playing a part in your role, taking on that more min-maxing. They want to lean into action MMO. They want to be more RPG. That's a way to do it. And this just dovetails so well with that because it's like, well, if you're going to be min-maxing and getting stronger, here's a way to make the content harder. And I, I don't think he gave that little speech about Halo and the heroic difficulty haphazardly. He's a very smart guy. I do think that's a slight little pointing sign to the fact that they're going to bring more stuff like that which has me very excited i really hope that comes to fruition seven months from my cousin Vinny, welcome back thanks for using your prime sub here rusty it sounds like bungie is leaning more into eververse as a source of most cosmetic rewards in shadow keep what in general is your opinion oh i'm sorry what is your general opinion and what about eververse being eternal ornaments while year one and year two raid armor is presumably obsolete this is a good question Second half's really good. First half, you already got my opinion on Eververse, so we're going to kind of glide over that. As far as Eververse ornaments being eternal, what about, you know, the, the great armor sets from old raids, raids of the past? It's a fair question. I would hope <clears throat> that maybe we repurpose that content, maybe we go back into it, maybe that content and that armor gets the year two, I'm sorry, year three treatment. I've said that about the Escalation Protocol armor. I have said that about the IO armor, the armor from, you know, Mercury. I would love to see that stuff get repurposed, you know, given some given some life. Part of me part of me doesn't want to just like go into my collections. Like if I gla- if I gla- you know, grab my controller here, go into collections. I don't want to just be like, "All right, so I got this really dope awesome armor set from you know, year three, and I'm just going to go in and make everything look like Hood of the Great Hunt. I don't know if in a loot pursuit game with pockets and raids and content loop grinds, wouldn't it be better to go back and maybe re-earn some of this? I, I'm not saying for, for sure that's the better path. I'm merely asking the question. Wouldn't that maybe be better? I don't know. That's a lot of content that you're potentially completely invalidating think about that look at the word you used eververse armor of the past is an eternal ornament imagine if all those armor sets are eternal ornaments that word eternal kind of applies to you've kind of eternally invalidated those raids 
Now, somebody could say, well, we could update the loot pool. We could update the armor pool. Yeah, maybe. That's possible. But you make it a lot easier on them if it's like, well, no, the armor can be re-earned. It can be year three. And the guns have been kind of repurposed, random rolls. Uh, there's curated rolls in there as well. So, I don't know. I don't know. I never... You guys know me. I'm on the team of let's repurpose the content. Let's get more life out of it. So I don't want to do anything that kind of undercuts that the, the, the ability for that to happen. Depo side. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Bloom implemented to do away with rapid fire controller mod in Halo 3? Do you think we are past that to where Bungie can revisit that issue? Honestly, don't know. Didn't even know that was a thing in Halo 3. I didn't. I, didn't, I don't even know... I tell you what, right now, I think the reasoning in Destiny is different. If I put on my Bungie hat, and I try to speak like Bungie, and someone says, Bungie, why is there bloom on console? I'm gonna say something to the effect of, it helps lower skilled players. And I'm not doing that to be like a slight, or to make it sound like Bungie is stupid. They've used that kind of reasoning before. We've seen that type of reasoning about in-air accuracy. I'm not dreaming up reasoning here. This is reasoning we've seen applied to other somewhat similar lines of questioning. This was this was spoken about in-air accuracy. Now that may have been from Josh Hamrick, so maybe that maybe the changing of the guard internally will lead to the idea that we need to get rid of Bloom. So Bloom is basically the gun firing within a cert like within a certain circle and that circle gets bigger the faster you shoot so if i shoot a gun and i go bam 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 it adds a level of shot rng because as that crosshair resets that circle is widening with the speed at which i shoot and it adds a level of rng so it adds ghost bullets you're like my my crosshair is literally on their head i can watch the replay and you see the bullet go somewhere else um so you also have to think about you also have to think about in in fortnite cone of accuracy is always present so the problem with bloom the big big giant problem with bloom is that the lunas and the not forgotten are precision frames and they don't have bloom so they're like laser beams uh, and they were nerfed, and a lot of people were saying the real issue is Bloom. The guns themselves are not poorly designed. They don't even get a lot of footing on PC for that reason, because Bloom's not on PC. They're fine hand cannons, but they're not dominant on PC. Ace of Spades is more dominant on PC, probably, than Luna's and Not Forgotten, because Bloom's not an issue, so they gravitate towards something that hits a little bit harder, a little bit more consistent, right? Um, so, also more accessible. Ace of Spades was a lot easier to get than Lunas and the Not Forgotten. So my my advice would be to remove Bloom, standardize the way hand cannons perform on console, and then start making tweaks. I don't think you can make tweaks to Lunas and Not Forgotten and get the desired effect until you standardize the way hand cannons perform on the platform. It's just, it, the whole thing is bizarre. By the way, if you're just tuning in, you can watch the Bungie stream here. So don't go anywhere. We, I, I can co-stream it. I'm going to shut my camera and mic off. We're going to watch it together. And then I'm going to pop back into frame and we're going to discuss it in a new Q&A after. So don't go anywhere. Click that follow button. That's the heart button. That's a free way to support me. Stick around. Mechanibus. 
I understand Bungie's need to lean into the Eververse store now with Bungie separation and D2 going to semi-free-to-play. Ornaments and most cosmetics make sense to me, but it seems like even minor things like shaders are moving more exclusively toward being paid content, which in my opinion is disappointing. What are your thoughts on the Eververse changes? I've I've given my... I think I've given a pretty well-orbed argument to why I'm okay with the Eververse. Your point about shaders, I agree. I agree. It's a little bit more concerning, but we don't know how many shaders will be dropping in other places. Like, we, we don't know. Like, are there not going to be any more Crucible shaders and Vanguard shaders every season? Like, I don't think they're going to be completely eliminating shaders from the general loot pool of the game. I don't think that's going to be happening. Waka Games, based on Luke Smith's thoughts, do you think they will design harder and more meaningful content in the future? Oh, yeah, this is a bit of a this is a little bit of a softball question. I mean, he basically says that's what they want to do. They want to lean into challenging content. They want to add more of that. I think he even says almost explicitly that in the in the director's cut uh, b- blog post. King Daddy, do you think Luke Smith should answer some questions? We have, for example, will roles on the uh, Solstice of Heroes armor carry over to armor 2.0 uh, today that would be a really good question to answer sure is it a hot burning question yeah I think it is I think it is I think it'd be okay if that got answered today because everyone's in the middle of that grind and if you're running the EAZ to get the boxes and you finally get a pair of gauntlets with like enhanced hand cannon loader, it's going to be really upsetting for you to convert that to 2.0 and lose that role. Um, so I'd love to get some some clarity from, from them on that. I'm concerned that it'll be almost like a re-rolling effect. Like it'll kind of bump the roll and give you a fresh... Uh, that'll be really irritating. <laughs> People are going to be ticked uh, if they do that. So maybe they can do something between now and then to rectify that if that is indeed uh, how, it's, how it's supposed to go. Easy money. Um, Fin Freak says, as I understand it, it is not converting. You get an entirely new set, and Blader Magician is saying there are no roles on Armor 2.0. One of the Reddit posts had a Bungie reply. Oh, wait. Hmong saying it was confirmed. They already said you will get a new set, not the same one. So for those of you listening that aren't here, I'm getting multiple what I would be considered reliable sources in my chat here saying you are getting a new set. So if you right now have been going hard for the exact roles that you want on Solstice of Heroes armor, I would maybe encourage you to stop doing that and just go for the get them fully upgraded masterwork or whatever the frick you have to do. I wouldn't be going the distance on chasing a role because it sounds like that is a completely wait. That's a complete waste of your time. Um, Evil the Waffler, what would make you more happy? Nerfing the well or getting rid of well? If that was your only option, you're giving me the choice to fix the problem or kill it. I I would never want to just get rid of well. I think having a a defensive support super is good. I think it's nice to be like, hey, stand here and stay alive. I think that's nice. Um, so I would I would say nerf it, tweak it. Don't get rid of it. Um, don't get rid of it. I missed a question. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I did. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Easy Money said, 
do you think they will ever get rid of the annoying knockback mechanic on every single boss here's my feedback on knockback um maybe we should do a talk on knockback maybe i maybe i should write that down um uh what we what would we call it nerf knockback uh no nerf nerf stomp let's call it that nerf stomp um here's the thing that i've been saying about knockback okay I think that knockback and slamming the ground is totally fine if, if it worked in a proximity and directional way. And what I mean is, if I'm in the air and I'm on the left side of an ogre and his hands slap the ground, I am 100% totally fine. I don't get slammed into the wall. I don't get knocked. I don't get sent flying like... A baseball over the fence in Sandlot. I'm totally fine. Now, if I'm face tanking like a dummy and I'm right in front of him and I'm using Icolos or something with Trench Barrel and he slams the ground, yeah, I should take damage. I should get knocked back. Why? Because that's the direction of the attack. Even, I would even maybe say if they slam the ground, you could have like a 70-30 rule or something like if you're in front of it like there's 30% of the pie chart if you're in front of him and you get hit you take the most damage the other 70% if you're around him you get hurt and you do get knocked back because it's a it's 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 an RPG thing right you do that in Diablo you do like a boom and you hit the ground and everything gets kind of thrown back so I'd be okay with like if you're on the ground you still get affected but you get the most damage and the most knockback when you're directly in front of it now that might be really difficult for them to code, but like I just think it's getting to the point where it's absolutely absurd, especially in a game like Prime. So I'll give you an example. I was playing game at Prime yesterday. I do not like that game mode. I got salty and I only played one game and I backed out. But when I was zipping past the boss, I had grabbed some heavy and I jump in the air and I'm zipping past the boss. He's not looking at me. He's looking at my teammates. And just because I get close to him, he stomps the ground. I'm in the air above him, like almost behind him. And when he stomps the ground, I get flung into a wall and I die from physics. Now, I don't know about you, but that is incredibly tilting. I'm supposed to be a God-killing warrior. I'm like a miniature Zeus flying around. And he's like, boom, I'm throwing a tantrum. And I'm like, I'm dead. Bye. And I hit the wall. I, you feel like a ping pong ball. It doesn't it doesn't fit what we're doing. Again, if you're face tanking and you're being a moron and you're just going up and like, hi, you know, you're just shoving your shotgun up their nose. I, th- that I think you deserve a consequence for playing like a meathead. I think there's a time to play like a meat shield meathead where you're just face tanking and shoving up in front of a you know an enemy's face. But there's also a time for saying, this seems a little absurd. The player wasn't really near the enemy. The player wasn't even in view. The enemy can't even see you some of the times. You're just next to them. They're looking and shooting at your teammates, and you're up here in the air, and they're like, Spidey sense, boom, and they stomp the ground. So I, maybe a whole video on why that, that needs addressed and what ways they could implement it so that it felt a little bit more sensible. Because, man, oh, man, I, I don't know. I, it, some knockback, as it's being said in chat, some knockback should be expected, but the area of effect is absurd, and the physics is also just absolutely absurd. I, I wonder how many people die in a given day, and you tally their deaths. You know, what is it, 80% to physics, to the architects, and you're not dying from enemies shooting you. 
it's a shooter and you're dying to getting flung through the air like a ragdoll it just is really odd it's a really strange trend um Next question is from P-Dog. Hey, Lono, do you think that with the mention of bosses being stationary, that the new Black Garden raid will have more mobile bosses uh, to limit or reduce the potency of Well of Radiance or just current high output maneuvers? I I, I don't know. Um, I don't honestly know what the call here will be, but I do think you will see more mobility and bosses. You saw that a little bit with Scourge of the Past. Um, you know, Curse of Crown of Sorrows. I'm sorry, Crown of Sorrows is close. It's a lot of splitting the team up, a lot of survivability, a lot of movement, a lot of intensity. But then, yeah, when it's time to do you know boss damage, you just kind of freaking stand there. Um, so yeah, and the EAZ had mobilized bosses. I think Axis, you know, if Axis and Oryx could start to influence fights where maybe some fights you're not actually just baking them, you know, how Oryx was, maybe fights like Axis where you kind of can't stand and bake, there's a lot of movement, there's phases to the damage phase where you can't just plant your flag, you know, so, you know, the hand thing that, that Crown of Sorrow happens in Crown of Sorrow, what if when he did the hand thing, he moved, what if, you know, to another location that takes away some of the... The, the power of Well of Radiance, unless you're running multiples, and then when you're running multiples, you know, that's you kind of doing something that's a little bit overkill, and that also kills variety in your team loadout, so you know, some nerfs and some tweaks to Well, I think, are going to happen and some more agility and more movement from bosses is also probably likely to happen I think it's a both and, I don't think they're going to be like, you know what, we um, we don't really, we're not going to nerf Well, we're just going to make bosses move around well, you're legislating to the super instead of standardizing how supers behave in the game and then building encounters that are just cool on their own. Does that make sense? Like, there's a huge difference. I never want to be in a fight and be like, oh, look at what they're doing. We're really strong and have this thing, and they're they're legislating to this. They're making an encounter for this thing. That's what Reckoning is, and that's why people really don't tend to like Reckoning because it really feels like a an encounter built for Well of Radiance and, and Skull the Dire Ahamkara. Faz Flex with a brand new Prime sub. Thank you for using your Prime sub. When you sub here, guys, you don't get ads. I have ad-free viewing for subs because uh, ads have gotten a little aggressive as well as a, a lot of awesome emotes. And Borderlands 3 emotes are on the horizon for you guys if you're fans of Borderlands. Trippin' Monkey. I feel like Luke Smith, his write-up was a view into Bungie War Room and I love the transparency. Do you think he could have put the same information out under the thumb of Activision? I don't like the phrase under the thumb of Activision. I don't think their relationship was that, like, extreme. Um, I don't think it was that extreme. I do think maybe they were more muzzled. Um, so, could he have done this with, with their with their tie to Activision? Maybe, maybe not. I do feel like in the past they were more cryptic. Like they said things you could sort of read between the lines and deduce it, whether it was tweets or blog posts. This does seem to be a slight sort of, hey, the muzzle's off. We're really going to give you a look behind the curtain, you know? Three months from Hey JD. Thank you so much. That's a blue badge. Fuzz Bounce. In a recent Q&A, you mentioned you don't think they would add a PvE-only Gambit as it would kill regular Gambit. If Gambit is hated so much that a PvE-only mode would kill, kill it, isn't that an argument for rather uh, than just... Uh, isn't that an argument for killing it rather than against adding it? Hardly anyone 
is playing either gambit mode and it's generally the needs of the many um so i here's the thing i'm sorry archon lord for missing your three month sub dude that's a blue badge i am sorry uh, alerts are off during this segment i apologize the uh, I, I, you're overstating what i said a little bit you're right you're right i did say that i feel like it would really hurt the the funnels of the other game modes okay i did say that i didn't say it would did i say it would kill the other maybe i did say it would kill regular gambit and gambit prime um <laughs> okay i don't know if that's fair though to be like well if they did this that's an argument to just do pve only and get rid of gambit slow down slow down i mean what if gambit can be salvaged you know they're gonna they're only gonna do prime or regular maybe a hybrid they're gonna whittle it down to one universal sort of game mode so there won't be two what if you could get your wish as well as the people that like gambit what if invasion in the pvp element did tone itself down i've always said it's a pvp game mode in disguise it is not a pve game mode with some pvp it is a pvp game mode in disguise I've always said that. Giggs said something very similar in his response to Luke Smith on Twitter. He said, it doesn't feel like a PvE game mode. It feels like one person rolling on another team with wall hacks and overshield and truth, right? He's saying the same thing I'm saying. It's like, this is a PvP game mode in disguise. It's like a 1v4 challenge mode for strong PvP players. Um, So... Here's the thing, though. I think a middle ground is better because I do think... You know, Harry's saying it. PvE Gambit would just be a bunch of teams with liars and one-two punch. Obviously, if they did a PvE version, they would have to put things in place that doesn't let you just do that. There would need to be mechanical things required. Again, maybe some influence from Oryx could come in here to where that's not really what you're doing to win. um, To keep people from doing that. uh, As well as nerfs and tweaks that maybe would let you not do that. And then, minimizing the influence of PvP a little bit. So I think there's a chance that a lot of people could be made more happy here there are people who play gambit every day and like it and here's the thing look at it from this perspective prior to forsaken gambit didn't exist so at the current moment if you don't like gambit you've not gained or lost anything it wasn't in there before it wasn't in d1 and you don't like it you don't touch it okay there are people that since its inception and since they added to the game have grown to like it taking that away from them and ultimately completely changing it into like a pve game mode i think is unjust Uh, that's that's a strong word like unjust it's just like you're not even playing it you didn't like it before because you couldn't it didn't exist before there's no net gain or loss for you they added something that you don't do and so imagine they added trials in house of wolves and tons of people liked it and there were people like me that thought that's no net gain or loss for me I don't engage with trials then me getting a say in what they do to trials or getting rid of trials seems a a, a tad silly it seems a tad silly I think the people that are more highly engaged with Gambit should have more of a say in what happens to it folks like you and me that's why I kind of sit out I don't think it's fair to let my bias and my dislike of Gambit dictate what I say happens to it. Yeah, just get rid of it. Frickin' gut it. Kill it. Just change it to PvE only. There seems to be a decent amount of people in the community that like it, and if they've got 100,000 people or so a day that are playing it, that's a chunk of people that are firing up the game and playing Gambit. You know? Stop forcing it to, uh, to play it, and the 10 people that like it can play it fine. 
I mean, Fuzz, I, I think that's an overstatement. I think prior to requiring us to run it, the numbers were showing that there was a pretty good number of people that were playing every day. It is it is the least engaged with piece of content, but it still gets daily engagement. So I'm just trying to be cautious, dude. I'm just trying to be cautious. I don't want to just start declaring that it needs to be gotten rid of and create this, this air of a negativity where there's no pivot, there's no move, there's no improving it. Just change it to PvE or get rid of it. Um, so... Evil the Waffler. I love the idea of reusing the content, but some people don't like that idea, which could hurt sales for Destiny. How will Bungie sell reusing content positively? This is actually a really good question, because if they basically tell you, hey, the winter season is going to be an updated brand new game mode uh, in PvP, a new loot pool, a new grind, new pinnacles, and... um, in PvE, we've repurposed Escalation Protocol. Well, how do you sell that? They should basically say, this is a brand new Escalation Protocol mode with a brand new loot pool, brand new weapons, brand new armor. You'd have to use the word brand new a lot to really drive it through the thick skull of the person that's going to get on Twitter and be like, recycled content, reskinned. Like, it's no, it's brand new. We said brand new five times. Did you not hear that? Like you'd really want to drive that home because if not, I, I think your question's well made. It's like people would be like, why am I paying for content that I already own? So that's always going to be a potential challenge um, when when recycling or reusing content. Crows says, do you think repurposing content could potentially be old D1 raids, maybe even cherry-picking the best encounters from them? Give the old raid weapons new look of paint. I love this idea. I think it's unlikely, because raids get low engagement. That's a lot of time and a lot of work, because porting that content over is apparently not super fast. I would love a boss rush mode in the Infinite Forest, where you go from fighting, you know, the sisters in Oryx to fighting uh, Vosik in Wrath of the Machine, and then suddenly you're fighting Crota, you know it's just a random puzzle shifting, like the, it just rotates each time, it's always different, it's just like a boss rush mode, that'd be fun um, and then since it's a simulation the weapons could be different, they could be like, well the Vex didn't quite get the simulation right, so the Fatebringer is called the Fate Maker, and it's, you know it's different, and it's got these different perks on it um, so that would be amazing, but they gotta rebuild all those encounters, and it wouldn't be a low-hanging fruit thing like Menagerie for anybody to go in and do. Why? Those fights are not simple. <laughs> those fights ain't simple, man. You ain't matchmaking your way through Sisters. You ain't matchmaking your way through even the Vosik fight. You're just not. Uh, and, and he talked about that. He talked about how in Menagerie you can't fail and it visually teaches the players what to do instead of requiring like deduction communication and and like almost like a puzzle solving um aren't the nightmares coming as raid old raid bosses there is that element call me rhino I don't know what that's gonna look like that is a good reminder I forgot about that we saw Crota and Axis and other raid bosses in the nightmares so I don't know if they just throw those into like strikes or story missions or adventures I'll I'll shed real tears that'll be such a mistreatment of those gods uh, the inquiry uh, this may have been discussed already how do you think they can address guiding new light players as they lean into the MMO things will it be more complicated any ideas I think a really really smart play would be to say um, a really smart play would be to say 
if you're new, we have a new light, you know, what would you call it? You wouldn't call it the campaign. We have a new light quest line for you to go on if you want. It's optional, and if you start it, it's going to sort of take you through the game. You're going to unlock supers, you're going to learn about the characters. We're going to take you through that. If you don't want to do that because your homie Greg over here just wants you to jump into content with them right away, they've made that easy as well. I would think you wouldn't want some brand new player just suddenly being like, Cool, man. So, uh, what do I do? And he's staring at nine locations. Six planets, the Tangled Shore, Dreaming City, and the moon. Uh, what? What? Where do I go? What do I do? It'd be pretty nice to just have this thing hanging out on the Traveler where they could go to Ikora or Zavala and it just said something like, Newcomer Quest. And it would basically say, this quest is designed to help newcomers to the game learn about the various planets and activities by taking you through a quest line that slowly immerses you in the world of Destiny. And I think a lot of people would probably do that. I don't know if they're going to do that. I'm literally shooting from the hip here. Um, so... Ro, uh, Rosito. Bungie has mentioned not liking the fact that we still do stuff in the Dreaming City for Powerfuls. Would this conflict with reusing old content overall? No, I think the reason he was saying that, I'm going to speak for Luke a little bit here. I think the context and what he was talking about is specifically for leveling up when new content comes out. He wasn't saying that we don't want you to go into old content ever. He was saying when new content comes out and you have to power up, routing you through content that's old isn't the best sort of that's not super receptive it's like yay new content and I did do what and you spend a week in the old content to like beef up for the new I, I think that was the context and the meaning behind what he was saying I don't think he was saying yeah you know once new content comes out we don't ever want you to go back to the dreaming city or any of the other planets well how stupid would that be I don't think he's saying every time new content comes out the pre-existing eight to nine you know locations are irrelevant I don't think that's what he was saying I think J-Man has encapsulated it. New season, time to go to the Dreaming City, right? New stuff to do, time to go into old content. I think that's what he was getting at. Um, Like having a grind for Whisper as a returning player for a new raid. Kind of. It's a little bit different because you're saying new player. Oh, returning player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, you're... I think, again, he had in his mind leveling... You like they're changing. They want to change that power structure of leveling, and that's one of the faults. That that's one of the faults and flaws he sees in it right now. Is hey, new stuff's coming out. Opportunity for you to level up. Let's send you through this long, arduous RNG-based process through all the old content. Um, I think, I think in general, that's where, that's where a lot of the the thought was was coming from. I don't think he was saying that. Yeah, man, when Shadowkeep comes out, look at that director. Anything pre-Shadowkeep is, is irrelevant. We don't want you touching any of that stuff anymore. I don't think that's what, what his intention was. That would be a very odd intention for a game that he says is ever-expanding, and it's a single world. You don't invalidate your entire world every time you launch a new public space. That would be really, really strange. Two months from the torch, thank you. 
Gandalf, running with your idea on reusing content, which I agree with and think we should do, do you think we could see more strikes in existing areas, but different path? Thinking rarely used areas on Titan or even menagerie style events in instance areas of existing planets, running from area to area, doing challenges and bosses. Um, first and foremost, there are plenty of strikes that don't get tons of engagement now. I would say priority one is creating a reason to be in the strike playlist. I need a reason to be in here every day, or at least with regularity, and it can't be milestones. That's why I've said, there's new bounties that we saw in that screenshot, and they look like they have like a little recycling arrow inside of them. I'm theorizing those are repeatable bounties that will take on a similar vein and identity as the Ada frames or the chalice where you can keep doing them and maybe they spit out a weapon, okay? That's a great reason for you just to hang out in the strike playlist all day. It doesn't matter what strike you get. You're working on a bounty that is spitting out a pulse rifle and you're trying to get a roll on that pulse rifle. Strike-specific loot and skeleton keys do not belong in this game. They have a perfectly good rhythmic urgency, rhythmic relevancy system with the Nightfall and the Nightfall card. Get a big score, then speed run it to get a to get a, a you know a gun from you know the Warden of Nothing. This is a playlist. A playlist should function completely differently than going after a specific thing from a specific strike. The playlist specifically is what I'm talking about should function in a way where you're hanging out there for an extended period of time seeing a reason and a benefit from hanging out there for an extended period of time. That needs fixed first. You fix that first and then in a season or two when people are like, man, could we get some new strikes? Now you've got a functioning hopper, a functioning like scaffolding and mechanism that can be scaled and built upon. Yeah, throw some more strikes in there, add some variety, lower the presence of the really old strikes, increase the presence of the new strikes, stuff like that. That's why I said right now there's two phases to what, what I believe what's going on is that you are trying to build systems that are rewarding and get good engagement. You want to build a really good scaffolding and system that's got good investment pathways for hobbyist players. That's phase one. Phase two is, can you scale it? Does it have elasticity? If you build this system, can you add content to it six months later? And I care. I care about the loot. What are you going to do in six months after I spent all that time in Shadowkeep getting god-tier armor and guns? What are you going to add in six months that fits on top of this system? There's a scalability, there's an elasticity to the game, and I care about that new stuff. It's significantly challenging, but they've got to figure that out. If they don't figure that out, you're always just going to be shoving us forward with the bridge falling off behind us, and things just slowly lose their relevancy, and the game starts to feel smaller and smaller, and the loot pools that matter feel smaller and smaller. Me versus Morrissey. Do you think it's it's off the table entirely that they drop the numeral and they shift to something more like World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy Final Final Fantasy Online? Destiny insert or season episode here as a singular ever expanding world. Okay, I love the concept of them calling it like Destiny Universe. or Destiny the Eternal Time War or something, okay? That sounds cool. That sounds like a great movie or a great Netflix series. However, there is massive power and market strength to calling it Destiny 3. 
there is zero question in anybody's mind what is being released there is zero question oh 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 they're calling it destiny the eternal time war cool so that's like another dlc so that should be like what 30 or 40 bucks 60 bucks and they're attaching a season pass to what the frick what what you see i'm saying destiny 3 the eternal time war that sounds pretty good like destiny 3 no doubts no presumptions no 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 assumptions it's a new game um so while there's a part of me that's like dude that'd be awesome to have like this cool name and it's just under the banner of just destiny and they just invest in it being like a true mmo expanding it no number it's just destiny i actually really love that but i don't think they would do it for all the reasons i just outlined wolf school noob Luke noted in the director's cut that they'll be buffing scout rifles. What do you think they'll tweak to make them valid again? Do you think it'll be substantial enough to get the community using them again? I don't know what they're going to do. Let's imagine they just do like a generic buff, like a generic damage buff. I said this morning there should be variable scouts in the game so you can adjust fire rate so it functions like an SMG or an auto rifle mid-range, and then it's variable. You can turn it into a scout for long range, you know, for those few times people are way way out in the distance people are like that'd be too strong you're gonna make all the other primaries not as good I I don't think so I disagree with that Um, there are so many good primaries right now and even a really really good primary in the vein of a variable scout it's still just a primary right if I can hold down X and change the fire rate on the fly then now I have a reason to use it but it's not making pulse rifles and hand cannons are still going to be great at what they're supposed to do which is kill trash ads suddenly making scouts really good doesn't make a hand cannon or a pulse suddenly suck at killing trash ads you see what I'm saying so we don't want to overstate like we shouldn't make them too strong now if you do variable scouts you could also do precision scouts a precision scout would be essentially a sniper (laughs) it needs to hit like an absolute just it needs to blast them so hard because if I'm taking the time to play drawn back and range based you need to reward me with a ton of one shot kill I mean I should be taking everybody's head off and then you could do high rate of fire scouts that maybe lean into being more elemental with things like chain lightning and damage over time and suppression so you'd have like three, three different types of scouts variable precision and high rate of fire <clears throat> And the reason you would do that is because scouts just lack the versatility and the agility to get any any footing right now. The Kvostov from D1 is not really what I have in mind because the Kvostov, you had to go into the skill tree to change it. I want a variable scout that I can change the fire rate on the fly the way I change the element on like the hard light. I just hold down X or something quick um, to change the fire rate. Because you need, you would need to be able to do it on the fly, or it wouldn't work. Because you would basically just use it as an SMG or an auto rifle. And obviously, if you use it as an SMG or an auto rifle, it wouldn't be hitting at the same damage output. It would be just like on the Kvostov. Your impact and rate of fire are in a relationship. If you raise rate of fire, your damage and impact go down. <laughs> Ghost phase. Being that they already nerf super, retaining supers, well, the next round of nerfs make them virtually obsolete like Whisper. This is why I believe they'll be repurposing and changing them. I don't think they're just going to keep nerfing them. 
R. Tyler Lynn. Hey, Lunel, thanks for the great content. Do you think that the potential reworks to supers would have room for buffs as well? The new Arc Strider and Burning Maul really just aren't worth using. 100% a lot of the other supers and attunements need help. There's no doubt in my mind they're getting... They should get some love and some treatment. I, I don't think they're going to leave those on the fence. El Pinto Loco. With the Solstice armor becoming a 2.0 armor set, do you think it will be able to use the glows? I don't know. That's a speculation thing I can't make a guess on. Slayer. What was the th- one thing that piqued your interest the most in Luke Smith's is- instructor's cut? The thing that piqued my interest the most is a change to... Uh, a change to like difficulty philosophy if you guys have been around for a while you know that I really preach on this a difficulty philosophy needs to change just adding a delta and really really painful like modifiers is not fun I don't think it's a good difficulty philosophy I think I think the difficulty philosophy in King's Fall and Wrath and challenge modes in those raids was better there was a much better sort of structure uh, and spectrum to the difficulty mode, to the difficulty setting. Uh, and I don't like just being like, here's a delta and blackout and extinguish. I, I don't like modifiers that turn it into Heidi, like just sitting in a Heidi hole. That's, I don't like that. That's not, we're God killers. Like, it should be difficult, but I should be able to meet that pain and mitigate it and, and, and meet it on the battlefield, not hide from it. Um, not hide from it. So. By the way, a lot of new people are here right now. If you're here for the Bungie stream, you don't have to go anywhere. You can watch it right here on my stream. I won't be in frame. I'll turn my camera and mic off. We will watch the stream together. We will have a discussion and a Q&A afterwards just like this. So stick around. Hit that little follow button, the heart button. That helps me out. Um, I do these sorts of streams every day. So if you like this style of content, be sure to come back. Sarge. Can the upcoming changes save Reckoning, or do you think they've already had a replacement? I would love Reckoning to get saved. Give me intentionality, give me an Ada bounty system, and tone down how punishing it is, and I would go in there and I would grind for a Doomsday and a Spare Rations. I definitely would. 100%. Lords. Bungie is looking to put more stats in the game with Armor 2.0. Do you think putting more stats on the weapons would be the natural next step? Example, having visible DPS numbers, impact range. I mean, you're saying more stats visible. I want more everything on weapons. I want more perks. I want stronger perks. I want all of that. I want all of that. Right now, you're, we're, we're just always grinding for the same, the same, you know, small smattering of perks. Rampage Outlaw. Rampage Outlaw. You know? And I, I, I don't, it, that, what, what are we going to do that for forever? Like we need new perks. We need more perks. Five or six, you know, more mod slots, stuff like that. Even if you're like, but Lono guns are already really, really good. Yeah, but I know, but that would add a level of personalization, a level of customization, a level of investment in loot chase. Hobbit Spartan. I do think that in PvP, the super regen is an issue. I believe that the main issue is that super defense is so high, it becomes impossible to kill a guardian either without another super or certain heavies, like a thousand voices. Do you think a solution, or rather the solution, is nerfing super defense? I don't know, because I feel like if I pop my super, I should be a momentary sort of Godzilla. And is it the rhythm, though? Is it the strength of the super and the damage resistance, or is it the rhythm? 
Is there just too many? Is super, are supers happening too rhythmically? And so I think stacking super mods and things like that are, are going to go the way of the dodo. You're not going to be able to do that anymore. I, I think ideally, I mean, if you think about it, they don't want that happening anyway. It's one of the reasons that they nerfed Shards of Galanor. They didn't nerf Shards of Galanor because of PvE. They nerfed Shards of Galanor because really, really intelligent players were getting seven or eight you know, blade barrages a game if used properly. And so... Th- that that was obviously like nah you can't be getting your super that often so uh, supers happening too rhythmically I think is a greater problem than like oh they're too hard to kill when they're in their super homie if I'm covered in electricity and slamming the ground like a like a Greek god I should be pretty tough to kill <laughs> just you know what I'm saying Sasquatch Luke said the annual pass took a lot out of the dev team do you think we could see smaller seasonal updates in year 3 annual pass or do you think we might get 2 updates spread apart we know there's 3 pieces coming winter, spring, and summer just like last time like I said I think it's going to be like a 50-50 split 50% of it will be new 50% of it will be recycled and repurposed old content as a way to mitigate some of that pain that they went through Uh, Braddock in the director's cut part one, Luke expressed that their dev team was feeling worn down delivering all the content in year two. You think players should be concerned about their ability to deliver similar? Just answered this. And I know you're adding to it. They don't have the help of High Moon Studios and Vicarious Visions. I think my answer is what's what's going to be the result of that. Did he say anything that makes you nervous? No. No. Uh, TKJ uh, Joker with three months of subs. That's a blue badge. I mean... I act, the only partial concern I had was like I don't want to continue to focus on Gambit I don't think it's a good game mode I don't think it's worth a lot of attention but I felt better knowing that they're going to whittle it down to one mode I, that made me feel better um, that made me feel better because they're they're basic, and they're also acknowledging that it just isn't it isn't working now Luke said he likes Gambit but that doesn't mean that Gambit's in a good spot. And I think anybody who's articulated the problems with Gambit, whether you watch Dado's video, my video, you read Giggs' tweet, we're all saying the exact same thing. We're, we are three very different players, and we're all saying the same thing about about um, Gambit. The exact same stuff. So, something needs to, something's gotta give, something's gotta change. And I am glad they're committed to whittling it down to just one mode. I don't think having two right now just it just it, it clearly seems it, it just seems kind of out of place it seems seems strange um he even brought up a positive that prime's better because it's shorter again i it, it's shorter but i also think just in people's minds even if prime and regular gambit were roughly the same length the perception of the player one round is superior the perception of the player they could make prime last a little bit longer if they thought that was needed like oh it's too fast or let's have a hybrid let's find a middle ground between og gambit and gambit prime i still think the perception would be it's one round we're in it's over it's done we're out so if we're winning it's quick and it's quick and fun if we're losing it's it's over and done with and we can move on to the next game you see what i'm saying like there's a lot there in the favor of just one round done so JD Gamer. Uh, Luke Smith said that Bungie plans on backing away from DLC content. Do you think they're just going to go annual pass? I They, they made that, I think, kind of clear after Shadowkeep and the annual pass was that they were going to lean more towards just annual pass content. Um, what this could result in is 
this lines up with my theory okay my theory is that right now a very small team is working on building the game in another engine slowly but surely they will acclimate the teams and the leads and the project leads over to that system so right now you got you know 800 people working on destiny 2 and slowly but surely people filter off of that and it gets to a smaller and smaller team well once if you do that and next year they're basically just delivering a manageable but really healthy rhythm for the hobbyist that is an annual pass that so the rest of the team can build destiny 3 that pairs very well with my theory that they're really going to shift away from big tentpole deliveries and just lean on annual pass if if they can if that can turn into almost a live team support scenario where they're just going back in annual pass number three which would start next year 2020 annual pass three could literally be nothing more than they could call it the annual pass of renewal they're just going back over the entirety of the game and renewing it in a, in a certain way recycled content well again that's what age of triumph was and we loved it if done properly recycled content can be good well we didn't pay for age of triumph lono sure but if this is far more substantive and more far reaching then i think that could be again their shift to pivot man hours and bandwidth to the next game that is all speculation i don't have any i don't have any inside information about that that's just me speculating but again if they're going to shift away from dlc and shift more to annual pass that could be a way that they allow themselves internally um uh, that could be allowed for them to, you know, internally do that. So, deadly skyfire, skyfire. Do you think there are any other item that shifts how the game is created beside well pre nerf whisper? Also, EP was the bomb. Yeah, I loved him admitting that like having a full group of people in Escalation Protocol was a ton of fun because we all said similar things. A nine-man EP was an absolute blast. Um, that was definitely something that resonated with the community. The you know, is there anything else that shifts how the game is created aside from well exotics? I mean, certainly exotics, skull and shards and, and rigs tether. He focused on well and phoenix. He was kind of gliding right over, you know, uh, Orpheus rigs and skull that I am and shards. I don't think he wanted to buckshot too many exotics and make people be like, oh no, they're coming for our exotics. But believe me, they're coming for your exotics. If they give you super energy, they're they're in the target you know they're being aimed at by the sniper from saving private ryan they're gonna get taken down rebuilt is is my idea they're gonna rebuild it if you guys are just tuning in stick here for the bungee stream it's in like 22 minutes you can watch it on my stream you do not have to leave i'm allowed to co-stream it i'll turn off my mic and cam and then we'll discuss it and do q a after if it's your first time here you like the style it's almost like an interactive podcast click that follow button it's the heart button we will be doing another talk and q a following the bungee stream so keep it here thank you for being here by the way green renegade what are your thoughts on repetitive gameplay just to fill time if you don't like repetitive gameplay then game as service games are not for you whether it's destiny diablo 3 the division any of those games they're not for you repetitive gameplay every game has a gameplay loop one of my favorite things I I disagreed with a lot of skill ups points in some of his reviews of Anthem Anthem deserved criticism I feel like he made criticisms that weren't fair I think he should have made other criticisms that's beside the point I don't want to revisit that one of the best things he said was was that 
a really good comp content loop is essentially the same 30 seconds over and over again and you just don't really catch on to that fact cement 77 with the brand new prime sub thank you geezer with the three month sub thank you guys by the way when you sub to the channel i am giving subs no ads right now you do not see ads to streamline your process uh your viewing of the content you're just not going to have that disruption anymore so subbing gets you no um gives you no ads now what skill up was saying was the first fight you have in god of war that content loop basically repeats itself for the rest of god of war now you get different abilities and you get stronger and you get better moves but you're essentially in many ways repeating the same content loop same thing with spider-man it's the same content loop over and over again it's the same very satisfying 30 seconds if you love zipping around in the air doing dodge moves and punching the frick out of baddies you're gonna love spider-man because you're gonna do that for the next 20 hours you're gonna do it a little bit differently here and there but ultimately that content loop hooks you and it's addicting and you're willing to do it over and over and over again that rule applies in games like destiny i heard somebody say that even gearbox noticed people will continue to play destiny by the sheer fact that the guns are so satisfying it is such good gameplay such good gameplay somebody just typed in my chat spider-man was so disappointing are you nuts that game was phenomenal it won awards it was incredible anyway um the uh i lost my train of thought reading that uh, <laughs> so in destiny the content loop is going to be repetitive but again if you really enjoy just going bam 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 popping those heads off of baddies throwing a super throwing a grenade shooting a rocket if that's satisfying to you if that action mmorpg content loop is satisfying you will do it again and again and again same thing with a dungeon crawl in diablo if you love doing chaining all of your abilities and seeing all that loop ting ting to ting drop on the ground if that loop scratches you where you itch if that loop makes your makes your tingly spots feel good you're gonna keep playing diablo 3 over and over and over again and so that is part and parcel to the loop in a game as service game is creating a super satisfying loop and you just you just copy pasta that everywhere essentially um and that's why Destiny, I think, has been one of the leaders because they nailed the content loop. So it was a barren and sparse offering in D1 and it struggled at D2's launch. But people just keep coming back because it's just so satisfying to play. You start filling it with loot and then we'll play even more. Zombizzle was six months. That's a purple badge for half a year. Brand new sub from a sneaky toaster. Thank you. Also for fans of Borderlands, I do have Borderlands emotes on the way. So if you sub, some of the emotes are going to get refaced with a psycho mask. It's going to be pretty cool. We crafty. Do you think that Bungie should add ornaments to each planet vendor that could be earned through bounties and sub and events that would affect the planet gear, similar to Age of Triumph and Souls of Heroes? ornaments maybe even make really hard triumphs to complete i've said this time and time again i even said this earlier today when eververse came up i do think it'd be nice to have all the npcs have a seasonal grind if it's just ornamental and vanity that might not be enough but if i i said this what if every npc had a weekly weapon grind so let's say right now i could go to devrim k 
and I could grab a repeatable bounty like the Ada frames. It's a repeatable bounty for the old fashioned. I love the old fashioned hand cannon. I would love to grind for a god roll old fashioned. Put random rolls on that sucker. It sounds good. The animation on reload is sexy. I love it. You know, I love the way that it looks and feels. Okay, so I'm grinding for that old fashioned. Now, keep in mind, if there's a flashpoint on the EDZ or I'm grinding for that old fashioned, I would be leveling up my rank with Devrim for that season, and he could have seasonal things. He could have a seasonal ornament for the old fashioned. He could have seasonal ornaments for whatever weapons he has that season just give him three or four weapons to rotate each week maybe two or three those weapons are different each week and then while you're grinding that planet while you're chasing those weapons you're raising your rank with him and by raising your rank with him you're earning your way to those ornaments maybe ornaments for his armor set as well maybe a sparrow maybe a ship maybe a sparrow it looks like edz right and then if you get the full armor set maybe there's perks and bonuses and set bonuses while you're on the edz the only way you're going to get to a set bonus loadout system is you got to have a loadout system. Right now, if I had a different armor set for every planet that I took an entire season to grind for, there's literally no effective way for me to change my loadout. You would need a loadout system to go with that. So, ignore the armor for a minute. At the very least, I think all the planetary NPCs could have rotating armor grinds each week, a seasonal rank that can be leveled up, which earns you things for that planet. A ship, a sparrow, a ghost, and maybe an ornament for the gun. That's it. Now people are like, well, that that doesn't seem like that's that special. Again, you're just adding pockets and grinds to the game that are completely up to the player. That's not that much. It just isn't that much. You're going to have nine public spaces coming up. Right now there's eight. There's six planets, and then there's the Tangled Shore and the Dreaming City. They're going to add the moon. Maybe they add more than the moon. But let's just say there's going to be nine. That's nine NPCs. If you give them two weapons a season, that's only 18 weapons. And then you take a sparrow, a ghost, and a ship, and a shader, and you can even reskin existing ones to make them look like they're inspired by that planet, and you're done. You just created a seasonal grind on every planet that is there for the casual or there for the completionist. It's perfect. It's just a nice capstone. They could maybe do it piecemeal and have different planets get different little things each season to add those little seasonal buffs because, you know, there's only three seasons and then you got nine planets. That's three, you know, three planets a season. Something like that. Two switch getting close to two years with a tier two. That's a lot of twos. Thank you so much, dude, for 23 months. Welcome back, dude. Guys, we are 15 minutes away from the Bungie stream. You can watch it here. Don't go anywhere. I'm co-streaming it, and we'll do Q&A to discussion to follow. Click that little heart button. Click the follow button. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be here for the rest of the day, probably. Um, Dernos32. I think the concerns with Eververse are more like, wow, I can only get cool stuff in the Eververse. There is clearly not enough stuff like... Uh, Scourge of the Past Sparrow, Zero Hour Ship, Whisper Ship. This is almost nothing like that to farm for in the game. Eververse is cool. I think it's okay. But at the moment, the only way to get stuff like that, what do you think? I mean, I want to wait and see to what degree do I have autonomy and agency to say, I want that. Can I get Bright Dust to purchase it? Can I earn or do a bounty to get enough Bright Dust to save up to purchase it? You know what I'm saying? Again, I give a very lengthy defense of a vanity item store in a game that, that is this big that delivers so much valuable it delivers so much value value for such a small entry fee. You get so much value, so much hobby, so much daily weekly engagement and content for such a small entry fee. I'm okay with a vanity store. I really am. I'm not gonna, I just am not going to die on this hill. I think there's far bigger fish to fry in the grand scheme of destiny. Uh, three months from Driz PK. Thank you. That's a blue badge. Uh, 
Lord of Wolves. How can Bungie refocus boss encounters to be less stand here and shoot? Uh, we talked about this. Pull from, you know, get inspired by Oryx, get inspired by the Axis fight. Those are really good fights for Bungie to take inspiration from. Mechanical damage, movement, you know, agility, things like that, I believe are... Things like that, I believe, are a great way to move things around, shift things around. Uh, Dark skills. Do you think stealth encounters have a place in raids? I sure don't. Oh, like the dogs and the gorgons? I like the dogs encounter if... This is a big fat if... I think the dogs encounter is great if you don't have all of the glitches and bugs. I think the dogs encounter is fantastic if there's it's not so glitchy. I'm I'm dead serious. There's a rhythm to the room. When I figured out the rhythm to that dogs room, I fell in love with that encounter and then I started hating that encounter because of the glitches and the bugs and the the weird pathing and dogs seeing you when you're literally up in the air and they're looking down. I just it's a cool encounter. It really is, but it doesn't. It just doesn't work very well. I don't know if it's a netcode or a lag issue. Maybe an encounter like that would run flawlessly on LAN or flawlessly on a dedicated server. But man, oh man, it's such a it's such a cool and creative and great encounter that really bangs on a lot of cylinders. Good communication, good synergy, you know, strategy, and then good dips. You know, yo, Benji. How are you, man? I miss you, dude. I don't see you that often. I see you in my Twitter feed every once in a while. I hope you're well. The Pie Piper. With luck uh, telling... Oh, with Luke telling us how well microtransactions did for Bungie, do you think we'll see even more? I mean, it's really difficult to say, hey, these two ornaments for Whisper of the Worm paid for one of the most celebrated events in the game, which was the Zero Hour Outbreak Perfected quest, right? Whisper ornaments paid for that. It's really hard to look at that and be like, yeah, they're not going to do more. They're not going to do that again. Of course they're going to do that again. That's great. I'll give you like an analogy. Every once in a while, I do a video for Destiny that's not super relevant. I can kind of tuck it away and save it for later because like this morning, I wanted my Luke Smith Director's Cut video to go live first and so my Destiny 2 Pinnacle Weapon Problem video got bumped to another day. Why? It's not super relevant right now. That can go live at any time. It'll probably get similar engagement regardless of if it hits today or tomorrow. The Luke Smith video obviously needs to go up very quickly, okay? But I can tuck that video away for later and that's paying me you know, it's a nice value paying me back for doing that work. Okay. Similarly, if they do an ornament for, like I said, like the Galahorn, maybe they add the Galahorn to the game and there's an Eververse ornament for it. There's two Eververse ornaments for it or whatever. People buy the ornament in droves and they can tuck that away and say, this is going to pay for this piece of content or we can develop this piece of content or this event and tuck that away for later as a nice rainy day surprise. The way that outbreak perfected and the zero hour quest landed. I, I, I truly think that if, if you expect a game like this, again, to not have microtransactions, and especially after what we saw, you know, what we saw and heard from them, then I, I just think you're dreaming. They have clear evidence that it's a good system and that it works well. Evil the Waffler. Would you accept the slam, or like the knockback, the slam if it didn't kill you, slamming into a wall, and it didn't damage you, just moved you? I mean, I, I, no, it's still too universally applied. Like, I still think slamming, applying in 100, 360 degrees around, as well as, like, 
360 degrees above it just I it's just too universally applied dead eye do you think maybe the raid boss will be more similar to Oryx where you can't actually do damage and have to rely on a third party source like the blight things um I don't know if the raid boss is going to be like that, but I think there's a place. There is a place in Destiny for a boss like that, but I don't want copy-paste Oryx everywhere. I don't want to go into every fight and be like, well, your weapons don't really freaking matter because we, we kill this guy with an explosion. Right? We kill this guy with a, a big cannon over there in the corner. Like, our weapons don't really matter. So, you know what I'm saying? By the way, if you're just rolling in, you can watch the Bungie stream here. So don't go anywhere. Keep it here. I'll turn my cam and mic off. We'll go full screen. You can watch the Bungie stream. And then I'll pop back into frame. We'll discuss it and do more Q&A about it. Defender. What do you think of Gambit, where the first two rounds are classic and the tiebreaker is prime? It's already like that. We talking about that's essentially how it works now. I mean, well, the tiebreaker's not prime. You're going to make it take longer. You're going to make it take longer if you go two normal rounds and the tiebreaker's prime. Or you're saying have the tiebreaker, but change the envoys to prime? I, 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 you're barely changing it. You're barely changing it. I, I think a hybrid might happen, but I don't think that sounds good enough to me. Um, Colonel Matrix with the brand new prime sub. Thanks for using your prime sub here. Uh, enjoy not seeing any ads on the channel and awesome emotes. Warble Sync. If we don't get to keep the rolls on the Solstice armor, do you think we will get an equivalent mod component for the rolls and the gear? Zero idea on even how to speculate about this. I don't know. A Johnny. Five months from Wordy. Welcome back. Fudans with 31 months. Welcome back. A Johnny says, Do you think all match made PvE content will be three man fire teams from now on to make it easier for devs to streamline the content? They got such a good response, and I think Menagerie flows really, really well. I don't think so, no. I think there's plenty of reasons for them to do more content like Menagerie, not less. Ashen Hollow. It's a bit late, but uh, could most of the hatred for Gambit just be where it was all we had to play for a season of the Drifter and we're just burned out? No, I hated it before Drifter showed up, and so did everybody. So did pretty much everybody else. I don't think people were like, you know, Gambit's not bad, and then season of the Drifter comes in and ruins it. I, I don't think that that's true. Um, I don't think that's true. I think that I think that in general, um, I think that in general, Gambit was disliked prior to Season of the Drifter. Season of the Drifter was just like almost like a nail in the coffin. Is <laughs> like a nail in the coffin for a lot of people. Um, so, uh, Salvation says, "What if there was a mechanic in Gambit Prime that allowed a team to block an invasion from happening?" I don't like getting into micro suggestions like this because I have no idea how exactly that if that would affect it. If there was a mechanic for you to block invasion, then everyone would just block invasion because nobody likes to be invaded. I mean, that's it's you know Howie Laney with 13 months. Welcome back, a club. Do you ever feel like Destiny has too many things to do or complete? I feel like in D1 I was able to keep on track with what I need to do weekly, but in D2 I feel so scattered. I always feel like I'm behind with everything. Looking at it from a casual point of view, okay. If you're unable to do everything in Destiny because you're a casual, I never want to give your argument any footing because I don't want somebody to have their weekly engagement harmed or thing taken or things taken away from them because you feel overwhelmed. If you can only play for one or two hours a night, that is not an impetus and a grounds to have things reduced. Casuals should have accessibility. You should be like able to do the things you want to do and pursue the things that you want to do, but you should never have the game whittled down, shrunk, 
or made less than because you're you can't play enough your personal situation is just not grounds for the game to be shrunk or 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 made smaller um and again, I think there's some value in you being put in a position to be like, what matters most to me right now? Let me go after it. Because whittling things down and neutering things according to your lack of ability to play is not, I just don't think it's a valid argument. Cletus with the brand new Prime sub, thank you. Doc Q with four months of subs, welcome back. So many people using their Prime subs today, guys. Thank you for that. Enjoy the ad-free viewing, watching my channel as a sub. Evil the Waffler. What would you think of the new raid bosses or the old raid bosses? So Crota is the first encounter and the guy is the second encounter. Yeah, I, I already outlined this. I think you're even here for it, Evil. I said they could use the infinite force for a boss rush, mo- rush mode where you're fighting different encounters from the raids in random order. I mean, we already, we literally talked about that earlier. Me might not have been here, but we did already talk about that. Uh, Ruguru with 33 months, getting close to three years. Welcome back. Jacube, do you think having a Twitch prime-based promotion is worth something for Bungie to do, especially when new light is released. I mean, maybe. Twitch Prime is pretty powerful. Uh, You know, Twitch Prime is a pretty powerful pull. It's something that definitely um, can can motivate people to engage and watch. Elusive Texan just gifted five subs to the community. Check the chat. You may have just gotten one. Uh... I'm going to keep on reading the questions. So yeah, they could definitely do something like that. Lord of Wolves, do you feel like there should lean more into the making boss mechanics more intricate or guardian builds more influential? Probably a both and. I mean, we definitely um, we definitely need more, uh, more things like that. So as soon as Bungie goes live, guys, I'll end the Q&A and pull up their countdown. Uh, we're obviously just waiting for them to go live. Um, we'll pull it up as soon as they go. Dark Ruler Fan... Uh, clarification about the annual pass. I know they are switching to an a la carte, but is there going to be an option to buy it like the old annual pass bundle? Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to give you the option to just buy it bundled if you feel like it. Um, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. Um, but I don't know. Um, guys, don't go anywhere. You can watch the Bungie stream here. Just keep it here. Keep put. I'll stay put. I'll pull it up as soon as it's live. Uh, Evil the Waffler. When Shadowkeep comes out, of course, armor is changing. Have we heard of any changes to the weapons? No changes to weapons have been announced. No. I always say Dark Ruler fan. Oh, I do always say Dark Ruler fan. Stags. Do you think Bungie will nerf Recluse, and what is your ideal uh, nerf? I don't have a nerf in mind, but I think Recluse and Mountaintop are going to get hit. I don't want them to get nerfed, but I think they're going to be. Nova Hands. Uh, Novahan says, Lono, late to the party. Sorry if this was covered. Do you foresee a big divide between Gambit and Gambit Prime players if one gets cut? Any thoughts on how they could merge it? If you like Gambit, if you play Gambit on a regular basis and they only launch one of them, but they make tweaks to it, I would think a lot of those people would continue to play. Thank you for seven months, Breath of Shadow. Lost my streak because uh, Prime was not a renew. You didn't lose your streak. There's no such thing anymore. You have seven months of subs. You have a seven-month sub badge. So... Dark skills. Regarding the conversation about challenge and difficulty, do you think Shattered Throne would be a good example of creating challenging content without using a delta or throwing an encounter design philosophy out the window? Yes, I agree with you. I think that is a better way of building the content. I think just throwing a delta at us, or as Luke said in the thing, you know, we threw a lot of our encounter design rules out the window. Um, I was actually really happy to hear him take that line of thinking because it definitely was something that made Reckoning bad. 
Um, so they're live. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and pull it up so we can watch the countdown. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, I'm probably live right now. Click the link below. Come in and hang out. If you're here right now, don't go anywhere. We're gonna watch the Bungie stream. As always, if you're listening in the other places, please like, share, and subscribe.